Pasadena, California, Life Church. Enjoyed very much spending time with my good friends, Pastor and Sister Brown and their family. Pastor Brown has a huge desire to be apostolic. Amen. He's willing to hear from God about this church. He's not just looking at what somebody else is doing and looking at trends, but he's hearing from the Lord about this church. And I have just sensed in him a greater depth in his pastoral ministry. And isn't it awesome that even as young pastors, we can grow with the church as it grows. And, and seeing what is happening here, having been here a couple of years ago, and coming back and seeing people maturing in God, new converts are now leading, good things are happening. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm blessed and I just can't help it. more than just a little bit of faith and a little prayer. I believe God wants his church to break the back of the enemy in Pasadena and take complete dominion and authority. But if we want to overcome spiritual wickedness in high places, we have to go to high places. Right? We're going to be reading a few verses from Luke chapter 4. So if you want to grab your Bibles, and then we'll be looking at Mark chapter 3, Luke chapter 4, Luke chapter 11, and Mark chapter 3. Luke chapter 4, reading verse 1, first of all. You there? Say amen. And Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being Forty days, everybody say forty days, tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. Everybody say he fasted. Can somebody tell me why it's called fasting when it goes so slow? It doesn't make any sense at all. Being forty days tempted of the devil, in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. I want you to notice that he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Everybody say, led by the Spirit. Luke chapter 4, verse 14. Now he's finished his 40-day fast. And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. Anybody see a transition there? He's led by the Spirit. After a 40-day fast, he returns in the power of the of the Spirit. Luke chapter 11, verses 14 through 15. And Jesus was casting out a devil, and it was dumb. Boy, that was well spoken, wasn't it? And it came to pass when the devil was gone out, the dumb spake, and the people wondered. But some of them said, Jesus casteth out devils through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. That's how he's doing it. He's doing it through Beelzebub, the chief of devils. Mark chapter 3, verse 22. Mark chapter 3, verse 22. And the scribes 
which came down from Jerusalem said, He, referring to Jesus, hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. I want to preach to you on this subject. The Lord of the flies. The Lord of the flies. Jesus, I believe that what we're going to talk about tonight, through your word, is going to help this church take complete authority and dominion over spiritual wickedness in high places in this city. And so, God, I pray that understanding, that revelation would be in this house. Let the seed of the word fall upon good ground in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Turn to three people and say, beware of the Lord of God. And you may be seated. Beelzebub is mentioned many times in Scripture. And it's not only mentioned in the New Testament, but it's mentioned in the Old Testament as well. Beelzebub was worshipped at Ekron in Second Kings chapter 1 and verse 2. The worship of this vile spirit continued to the time of Jesus Christ. But I want you to know that Beelzebub was not just an idol. And he was uh, worshipped primarily by the Philistines. And indeed, there was an idol that was erected for the purpose of worshipping Beelzebub. Uh, As a matter of fact, I don't know how much you know about that, but the word or the term Beelzebub means the Lord of the flies or the dung god. The dung god. But Beelzebub was not just an idol. Luke chapter 11 verse 15 indicates that the spirit of Beelzebub is indeed the very spirit of Satan. Strong's Dictionary tells me that Beelzebub is a title of Satan. This was certainly the understanding of the Jews because we read in Luke chapter 11 and verse 15 that some of them said he casteth, Jesus casteth out devils through Beelzebub the chief of the devils. Many believe that the name Beelzebub is derived from Beelzebul, which means the Lord of the dwelling in which evil spirits dwell. Jesus seemed to back up the point of view that uh, Beelzebub is a spirit of Satan, the Lord of evil spirits. When he said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 25, he said, it is enough for the disciples that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? In Mark chapter 3 and verse 22, the scribes which came down from Jerusalem said, He hath Beelzebub, and by the prince of the devils casteth he out devils. In Matthew chapter 12 and verse 24, But when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow doth not cast out devils, but by Beelzebub the prince of devils. So you understand where I'm going with this. Beelzebub is the lord of the flies. He is the chief of the evil spirits. It is a title that is ascribed to Satan. But I think it's interesting that this term, Beelzebub, is ascribed to Satan because by his very title, Lord of the flies, or the dung god, we know that that, that Satan 
is the spirit of all disgrace and moral impurity. I find it very interesting that Beelzebub, or Satan, was ascribed with the title, the Lord of the Flies. Let's talk about this just for a second. A fly is a two-winged creature. The common house fly is one of the best known of the species. Other kinds of flies include blowflies, botflies, crane flies, deer flies, fruit flies, gnats, horse flies, leaf miners, midges, mosquitoes, robber flies, uh, all kinds of flies, a hundred thousand different kinds of flies. There are, number, there are a number of insects that are also called flies, but they have four wings, and so they are not true flies, such as butterflies, dragonflies. True fly has two wings. Now, I've discovered that there are some interesting parallels between the fly, the insect, and the Lord of the flies. Firstly, a fly is a two-winged creature. Satan was once a heavenly angel, which as I understand are two-winged creatures, but he is now an earthly two-winged creature of dishonor. Secondly, flies are among the most dangerous pests known to man because they carry germs inside their bodies and on the hairs that cover their bodies. And so when a fly bites or when it touches an object, it leaves some of those germs behind. Satan is also one of the most dangerous pests known to man because he carries the works of sin with him. And he will inject his venom directly into your spirit if he can do it. But if he, can, if he can't, he will try to leave the seeds of bitterness, the seeds of lust, the seeds of hate on your flesh. Flies carry germs that cause such diseases as malaria, sleeping sickness, and typhoid fever. Flies were responsible for the bubonic plague when tens of thousands of men, women, and children died. And Satan carries with him uh, uh, the seed of a terminal condition called sin. And we all know that sin causes such diseases as the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. Satan's work brought about the flood in Noah's day, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, And he's responsible for literal millions of people that are in a devil's hell where the smoke of their torment ascends forever and forever. The fly that we know today, the insect fly, thrives where there's a lot of garbage or refuse. The Lord of the flies is much the same. He thrives where we leave fleshly garbage, the hidden places of sin, when carnality is present, it provides him a place to feed, a place to become stronger in our lives through condemnation, a place to reproduce the flesh, carnality, evil, is a place where the Lord of the flies thrives. Flies produce produce their offspring in refuse and trash. The garbage in our lives gives our adversary an opportunity to produce offspring. The mind that keeps lustful thoughts can produce offspring of adultery and fornication. That heart that harbors resentment can produce the offspring of bitterness. Amen? The enemies of Jesus accuse him of being the Lord of the fly. Now, to me, that takes the term character assassination to a whole level. 
creator. The creator, God in flesh, was accused by his own creation that he had come to save. He was accused that the demonic authority that he had enabled him to command devils to leave. The people that he would die for said that his authority as the Lord of unclean spirits, that authority that he had was what gave him the ability to do the exploits that he had. They said that Jesus was a dwelling place of unclean spirits, and that's how he commanded them. They accused him of being Beelzebub. They accused him of being the, the embodiment of Satan himself. Aren't you glad that God is a God of mercy? You know, he could have quit right there, but he pressed on. And in Matthew chapter 12, verses 25 to 29, Jesus countered them. And, and the Bible says in Matthew chapter 12, verse 25 through 29, And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided itself against itself shall not stand. Verse 26. And if Satan, watch, cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? Verse 27. And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore, they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? So Jesus counters them, and he says, how can Satan be against Satan? How is it that I'm casting out spirits? How is it that I'm warring against my own? And so the Lord says, this is impossible. So the only way that I can be doing it is by the power of God. And if I am doing it by the power of God, then the kingdom of God is come to you. Jesus was not the Lord of the flies. He was not the Lord of their dwelling. He had power and authority over them as the King of kings and as the Lord of lords. That's how he was doing what he was doing. That's how he had dominion. That's how he had authority. And so we have battled, and I believe this church is in a battle, with the true Beelzebub, the Lord of the flies, the spirit of moral impurity, the debauched, the defamed of the spirit world, and he's spreading his immorality, he's spreading his filth, he's spreading spiritual diseases in this area, and the church is rising up. And the church is saying, look, You've enjoyed dominion for a long time. There has been a spiritual presence in Pasadena. But just because there's a church in the city does not mean that it has dominion and authority over the prince of that city. But I believe this church is rising up to a place where you are going to have complete spiritual authority over the prince of this city by the power of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Satan's far-reaching effects can be seen from the red-light district of L.A. all the way through Pasadena and into the outer suburbs across the country to our nation's capital, 
he is spreading his immorality. The spirit of darkness carries with it the ability to corrupt and pollute whoever would knowingly or unknowingly host them. There are sinful, ungodly spirits of darkness that are destroying lives. They're infecting them with the germ of sin. And the Lord of the flies has tried his best to contaminate and infect every man, woman, and child with his profanity, with his lasciviousness, with vulgarity, and with vices. And so the question is, what can the life church do about this? Because the devil, some people want to talk like the devil's a wimp. He's not a wimp. He does have power. And we can't just dismiss him. He does have power. How can the Lord of the flies be defeated? How can we take authority and dominion over the Lord of the flies so he is under our feet? Hallelujah. You see, I don't think God intends for his church to always be reacting to what the devil's doing. I think the church can become so powerful that the devil has to react to what the church is doing. There's a difference between being a defensive church and an offensive church. There's a difference between trying to stem the tide and letting the flood of the Holy Ghost sweep over a community and become the front page material. How can we defeat the Lord of the Flies? Here it comes. Put your seatbelt. There's a very interesting parallel that we can make between the insect, the fly, and the Lord of the Flies. And here it is. Of the 100,000 different kinds of flies that inhabit our world, none of them live more than 40 days. I find over and over again in Scripture this simple fact. That the back of the enemy can be broken in 40 days. Luke chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, we see Jesus, being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Bible says, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And in those days he did eat nothing. And when they were ended, he afterward hungered. Everybody say 40 days. After that 40 days, Luke chapter 4, verse 14 says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him through all the region round about. He returned in the power of the Spirit. Now I remember, Pastor Brown, we had a, our, our dean of theology. At IBC, and I approached him about this passage of Scripture. And I said, Derek, the Bible is definitely showing us that Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and after, after fasting 40 days, he left in the power of the Spirit. There was some sort of a transaction. There was something that happened in the wilderness. Something happened by that 40 days. And, and, and the dean of students uh, of theology there was a little bit uncomfortable to say anything about that, uh, he said, well, you know, uh, Jesus always had the power and all that, and, and so I'm not sure that anything changed. Now, I believe that. I believe something changed, and I'll tell you why. Because God obeys his own laws. He is bound by his word, and he's bound by his laws. And when you read the Scripture, I'm getting ready to show you over and over again the principle of 40 days, how God's people can have dominion and authority over the enemy in 40 days, I believe that the Lord, by playing by his own rules, God manifested in flesh, 
although he already had the power, did not exercise the power until he submitted to his own laws and fasted 40 days. And when he left, something was different. He wasn't just led by the Spirit now. After 40 days of withstanding the strength of Satan, he returned in the power of the Spirit. Before this point, I want you to know the saints of God, before that 40 days of fasting, Jesus didn't cast out one devil. You read your Bible and you study the timeline of Jesus' ministry. He never cast out one devil before that 40 days experience. But after this 40-day wilderness experience, the fireworks began. And there wasn't a devil in the area that was safe because there was dominion, authority, and power in the ministry of Jesus. The Jews couldn't understand how Jesus could cast out devils. And their only conclusion was that he was a devil. But I want you to know that Jesus had complete authority by beating the devil at his own game. Satan tries to influence us through our flesh. Jesus overcame his flesh for 40 days. Satan tries to derail us with temptation. Jesus overcame temptation. During that 40-day trial. Some of you are already freaking out. You are worried to death. I'm going to ask you to go on a 40-day fast individually. Just, just take it easy, all right? It's going to be okay. Satan undoubtedly would have loved to continue his prodding and testing. Don't you think Satan would have loved to just corner Jesus in the wilderness and kept him there and contained him? After 40 days... Jesus doesn't have any more long conversations with the enemy. He doesn't have to battle him with the word. Doesn't have to do that anymore. Now, when he speaks to the devil, the devil's not tempting him. Jesus says, come out of him. Come out of her. He has complete authority and dominion. Something has changed. I believe God's getting ready to take this church when we stop having all of these trials of temptation and the devil's prodding us and pushing us against the wall and cornering us that now all we've got to do is just speak a word of faith and by the authority by the authority that we have gained by obeying God's word now the devil can only respond to the authority oh hallelujah flies life limit is 40 days and I want you to know that the lord of the flies cannot have dominion over a person or a church that will resist them for 40 days. Jesus held on to his faith and his mission to do the will of God for 40 days. He held on for 40 days. And after that 40 days, something powerful happens. When you make a concerted effort as a body of believers to resist the devil for 40 days, something is going to happen. I'm not going to preach this message to any old church because very few churches are ready to hear this kind of message. I'm preaching this message to this church because it is God's will for me to say what I'm saying to you today. God is putting a tool in your hand to do the work he wants you to do. He doesn't, oh, hallelujah. God is getting ready to give this church fruit. And the funny thing about fruit is it's always out on a limb. And there are some churches that have enjoyed the fruit, but they didn't have the roots. And pride set in and all kinds of junk came in and tore them up. 
because they pursued revival and growth and they got fruit, but they didn't have roots. This church has been digging down in the soil and rooting down, and, and God is saying, I love the fact that you pray and you seek me and you're being apostolic about how you're doing your business. God is getting ready to give this church some fruit. God is getting, getting ready to give this church some revival, and he's putting a tool in your hand to once and for all take dominion over the adversary so you can rise above it all and be a global church. Hallelujah. Forty days plays a significant part in Bible history. The Lord told Noah in Genesis chapter 7 verse 4. Ready? For yet seven days, and I will cause it to rain upon the earth. Forty days and forty nights. And every living substance that I have made will I destroy from off the face of the earth. It took 40 days for God to destroy the polluted influences and vestiges of sin and the manifested works of darkness. He baptized the world for 40 days. 40 days he's purifying. 40 days he's pushing back the tide of evil. And when the 40 days is over with, it doesn't need to rain anymore. We've got a new world submerged. And when the water moves back and the land begins to rise forth through the waters, there's going to be a new earth. Do you understand that when we begin to fast and pray for 40 days, there is a baptism of purity that comes upon the church until everything the devil had over your life and everything he had over this church and every generational curse that he put on your family is broken and Something new is born again. Why don't you give the Lord a hand praise? Hallelujah. Second, first Samuel chapter 17 and verse 16. The Philistine, everybody say Goliath, drew near morning and evening and presented himself Forty days. I believe that every day that Goliath presented himself, some mamas were praying for the lives of their sons who served in the Lord's army. I believe that there were some soldiers that were praying and fasting, knowing the seriousness of the situation. The country was seeking God for a miracle, for a way out of the situation, for an escape, a way of escape from slavery. It was going to be a one-on-one thing. And whoever was the conqueror would be lord over the nation. And those that were of the loser side would become the plundered, would become the spoils of war. And so Israel was beginning to pray and was beginning to seek God. The enemy's effort and intimidation could only survive 40 days against the children of Israel because the Lord brought deliverance in answer to prayer by way of a shepherd boy by the name of David on the 40th day. The Bible said he came against Israel for 40 days. And then David rises up. The Lord puts a man in position to destroy the work of the enemy. Hallelujah. Jonah, chapter 3, verse 4. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day's journey. And he cried out and said, Yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Why did God say 40 days? Because he wasn't asking for an apology from Nineveh. 
He didn't say, Jonah, I'm going to destroy this, this nation uh, because, uh, because of what they're doing. They're not apologizing to me. No, he was not asking for an apology. He wanted the spiritual dynamics of Nineveh to be reversed. His wrath, God's wrath, was kindled against those people. But he wanted to give them enough time to reverse the spiritual condition of that evil city. So he gave them 40 days, not a second more. Why did he give them 40 days to turn around the spiritual dynamics of Nineveh? Because that's how long it takes to turn something around. That's why he gave them 40 days. When the citizens of Nineveh obeyed the voice of the Lord, the grip of the spirit of sin was broken, and Nineveh was spared and delivered on the same day. On day 41, they were not only spared, but they were delivered on the sa- at the same time. Exodus chapter 34, verse 28 through 35, the Bible says that Moses was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He did neither eat bread nor drink water. And he wrote upon the tables of the words of the covenant the Ten Commandments, and it came to pass. When Moses came down from the mount, Sinai with two tables of testimony in Moses' hands. When he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with them. And when Aaron and all the children of Israel saw Moses, behold, the skin of his face shone, and they were afraid to come nigh to him. Noah, at this point in time, was discouraged. This is round two for Israel, the Hebrew children. He's discouraged. A spirit of idolatry had cut the Hebrew children down at their knees. And even Moses himself had had kind of lost it. And he threw the tablets down and broke them in front of all the people. Tablets given from God were nothing more than rubble. So Noah goes back up and he fasts for 40 days. And on day 41, he comes down. And now it's time to go home. And the glory of the Lord is shining. James chapter 4 and verse 7 tells us, Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Now, can I just say this? Some of us just want to resist the devil. And we expect that it's enough just to resist him. We have good intentions, but we haven't submitted ourselves to God. There is a right way to submit, uh, to, to take authority over the enemy. And the first thing that you have to do is submit yourself to God. We've got to realize, Brother Mooney pounded this into our heads in Bible school, God is God and I am not God. And His laws apply whether we accept them or not. They work whether we want to admit it or not. There are some divine laws that are working that we need to come under, submit ourselves to them, and obey them so that we can have the power that we need to be overcomers. We need to submit ourselves to God. Resist the devil, and the Bible says that he will flee from us. But I believe there's a biblical time frame for all of this that enables us to possess the promise. We need to submit ourselves to God and resist the devil. I believe there's a time frame. It's 40 days. I really believe this with all my heart. I'm not just saying this because it's just something I thought of. It's not just something I discovered. I'm talking to you in theory. I've been through this with the local church that I pastored in Clintonville, Wisconsin. I went through this. The Lord showed me that, showed this to me several years ago, and I presented it to the church there. And we, we 
made a concerted effort that we would go on a very powerful, not just a little prayer chain, but we had large numbers of representatives fasting every day and praying every day and praying against spiritual wickedness in high places and tearing down strongholds in our own lives and coming against generational curses in our own lives and pleading the blood of Jesus over our city for 40 days. We prayed that way. I'm talking about a town of 4,500 people in the middle of a cornfield somewhere. You've been there. I'm not exaggerating. We have a drive your tractor to school day in Clintonville, Wisconsin, where I pastor. And God led us to this principle, and we fasted for 40 days. And on day 41, a man stricken with cancer, soon to die, was completely healed on day 41. And God showed us something. He said, you did it, now I just want to show you, you have power with me now. And in that small town, the very... Uh, from one year later, we had seen 70 people filled with the Holy Ghost and baptized in Jesus' name. And we saw 700 first-time visitors come through the doors of that small church. I want you to know something's going to happen when you make up your mind. You are going to destroy the work of Beelzebub, the Lord of the Flies. Come on. It's time for the church to rise up and realize we are in God's divine time. Not just to build a building, but to build a church. The body of Christ is getting ready to grow. Why don't you give the Lord a hand praise? Hallelujah. You can be seated. We know some of you might be struggling with what I'm saying today. But understand me, let me reason with you today and say this. The Bible shows us that there are some spirits that don't leave just because we tell them to in Jesus' name. There's more that is required than a command to take authority over certain spirits that are in a city, that are attacking a church. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Matthew chapter 17, verses 14 through 21. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is a lunatic and sore vexed. For oft times he falls into the fire and often to the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him hither to me. And Jesus, Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then the disciples now who have been defanged, and they need a little bit more understanding because they tried it, and they didn't have success. They had other spirits that they had success with, but now they met the big kahuna. And they came to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? Verse 20, and Jesus said unto him, because of your unbelief, for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. So he says, well, it takes faith, gentlemen. And verse 21 says this, how be it, Jesus says, how be it, or however, this kind goeth not out, but by prayer and by fasting. There are some spirits that will taunt this church and hover over
over this church and to have dominion over this church until we realize that there are some spirits that are not going down until we make up our minds that we're going to fast and we're going to pray. There's spiritual wickedness in high places, and sometimes we got to go up spiritually through fasting and through prayer. As our flesh goes down, the spirit goes up until we can look them in the eye, and then we can look down on them by the authority of the Word of God through prayer and fasting and say, Get out of here. I rebuke the prince of the city. I bring, rebuke spiritual wickedness in high places, and they must go. Somebody said amen. Remember that flies thrive where there's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of refuse. Presents an opportunity to feed and produce offspring where there's garbage. And I've learned that flies will live longest in a domesticated environment. Flies live longest in your house. They do better in your house than they do outside in the harsh elements. I don't know about you, but I don't want my life, and I certainly don't want the church that the Lord has allowed me to pastor to be a domesticated environment for the devil to thrive in. I want you to know, church, the devil's content for you to have victory on Sunday as long as he's got you every other day of the week. He's content for you to come and jump around and shout and talk about how saved you are as long as he's still got your attitude and your bitterness and your unforgiveness and your addictions on the other outside of this church. Come on, do you hear what I'm saying to you? It, we, don't, we don't want this church to be a devil-friendly church. I know what I'm saying could be misconstrued. I don't want you to be upset with me. I'm just telling you, we need to get it so hot in this place that the devil can't touch this place anymore. We need to take the trash to the curb. I said we need to take the trash to the curb. And it's only going to happen through prayer and through fasting. Hallelujah. Through prayer and fasting, this church will become not a domesticated environment where the devil thrives, but this will be a house of prayer and a house of purity. And I want you to know the devil has no defense for purity. He can't get his hands on you when you're pure. He can't get his hands on your attitude when you're pure. He can't get his hands on your family when you're pure. When it's a pure church, he can't touch you. That's why we've got to pray. That's why we've got to fast. That's why we've got to take it to the next level. This is war, and we're fighting for everything. Somebody said amen. The devil loves a messy house. The devil loves sloppy agape churches. He likes messy houses. But he cannot survive in a sterilized environment. This time of prayer and fasting that you're in right now affords you the opportunity to take trash back to the curb. It's time to forgive. It's time to be whole, people. It's time to make up our minds that we are no longer victims. It's time to make nobody ruined your life. Somebody thinks somebody ruined my life. Nobody ruins your life unless you give them permission to ruin your life. 
I believe that with all of my heart. Can we be hurt? Yes, we can be hurt. Can we, can we be wounded by people? Yes, we can be wounded by people. But nobody can destroy us unless we give them the permission. We need to take the trash from the porch to the curb. Hallelujah. We have removed the source of strength that the devil has had over our lives when we fast and when we pray. When our sins are under the blood and we are completely surrendered to God in our flesh, our human will has been broken because of fasting. The devil doesn't have a feeding ground. The devil has no defense for, for purity. You've taken the advantage away from him. You've reestablished dominion in your life when you fast and when you, when you pray. And this is what I want to say. I believe that God is calling the church to purity. God is calling this church to purity because he wants to give you complete dominion. We need to go through our homes. We need to find, we need to thank God for everything that's in our home that's helping revival. But we need to remove everything from our home that's hindering revival. Somebody said amen. Getting quiet in here. We like to shout and talk about victory until we understand there's a cost. I'm talking about a cost. I am talking about sacrifice. I am talking about saying no to the devil and yes to God. God is calling us to be pure so that we can be strong enough to reach out to a world that reels under the awful weight of suffering and death. There is hope. There is salvation in this dark world of suffering and death and judgment. But we've got to be holy. We've got to be sanctified. We've got to be set apart if we're going to take dominion back. Now, I just want to warn you, you're going to take this message to heart. Can I warn you? Here it comes. Do you know what a fly sounds like in a sterile house? It's totally clean. Like this. It makes lots of noise. A fly makes a lot of noise. In a pure house. It's looking for something. It's looking for something. The fly will quiet down when it finds something that it can feed on and reproduce in and all of those kinds of things. It's going to settle down and it's found its place. I want you to know when you go on a 40-day prayer and fasting chain as a church... It's possible that in that 40-day period, the devil is going to try to make a lot of noise. And he's going to try to intimidate you. And he's going to try to get you off track and get your focus off the things of God. But what you need to do when he starts throwing things in your face and he starts coming against you, you say, devil, you make all the noise you want. You've got 40 days to look. But I want you to know after on day 41, I'm coming back. You push first, but I'm pushing last by the power of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. 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 The Bible says don't give any place to the devil. Don't give him any place. 
Don't give him any advantage over you. You want to know why? It's not just you. It's a church. We are part of the fabric of the church from whom the whole body fitly joined together, the Bible says, and compacted by that which every joint supplieth. We are a church that my decisions affect other people. My spirit affects other people. If we will fast and pray together collectively, if we'll all be in one mind and one accord, we're going to have another suddenly, and it's going to sweep over California again. Hallelujah. Solomon said in Proverbs 30 and 12, he said, There is a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet are not washed from their own filthiness. Everybody say carnality. Carnality is when we allow our sinful man to control our thoughts and our actions. Carnality destroys genuine love for others, for God. Carnality destroys trust. Carnality doesn't allow you to be trustworthy. Carnality destroys discipline and control of our own flesh and our own families. Our families spin out of control because of carnality. Carnality destroys true care and concern for the lost. For some churches, it's not the great commission, it's the great omission. You want to know why? They're carnal. There are some churches that only want to talk about the building program, and they don't want to talk about the souls that are going to be affected by a building program. As you go forward with this building program, this capital stewardship campaign, let's remember, it boils down to one thing. It's souls. It's not money. It's not square footage. It's not material. It's about souls. But if we're carnal, we can get sideways over the color of the paint and what color the carpeting was, and people quit the church because something didn't happen the way we thought it should happen in a building program, but when we're not carnal, we realize, even if it didn't go my way, it's for souls. Carnality destroys respect for parents and for leadership. Carnality destroys our confidence in the church and the promises of God. Carnality destroys loyalty and commitment to the things of God and commitment to one another. Carnality destroys freedom from sin. Carnality destroys conviction and godly principles. Carnality destroys marriages and churches. That's why carnality's got to go. That's why the flesh got to be put in its place. And purity has got to become the identity of life. Church. And every day that you fast and pray, you are shortening the devil's leash. Oh, he pulls us out of the church. He pulls us into bad relationships. He pulls us into the smut on the Internet. He pulls us out from under the umbrella of the authority of our pastor. He pulls us into all kinds of bad conversations. But as you begin to fast and pray, you're going to realize you've got a little bit more power than you had yesterday. And all of a sudden, you're seeing things differently. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. You're going to see things you didn't see before until you've got the devil by the neck. And you're going to break his back. And you're going to enjoy power. Power that you've never known before. And you're going to have authority that you've never had before in the Lord. Somebody said amen. Let's stand together. I feel the Spirit of the Lord rising in this place.
Dio robo shandala raba koria, ela ba sando robo kofia. In the name of Jesus, 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 we're getting ready to find out who we are. We're getting ready to find out what we have in Jesus. Oh, I believe it. I believe that we're going to cast out devils. I believe that we're going to lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I believe that we're going to see a measure of revival we've never seen before. Hallelujah. Life Church, don't lose your resolve. Life Church, don't get tired. It's not time to be weary. It's the time to make up your mind. We've come this far. We might as well finish this race. Come on, why don't you call on God? Jesus, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. Oh, Lord, uphold me by your free spirit. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. 